Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the message of this day, of this season, that because of your great love for us, you sent your Son. And today, as we have come together here, first of all, Father, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we thank you that uh, you've given us your word, and you've shown us in the real world what it is for you to come and be with us. And so this morning, as we spend these moments together looking at your word, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts in a fresh way. First, in your son's name, amen. Well, church family, good to be here today with you all. You know, I've, this is, I've only seen one service a couple of times. I'm John, John Sapp. I know there's guests with us today. We've got some that have come as far away as Uganda. We've got grandparents that have come from other states that are here loving on grandkids. Uh, it's just a special season. So a couple of announcements as we're together. First of all, uh, spouses, if you've got a spouse that you think is going to get a little sleepy or need a little attention, those bags are still in the back. But Jordan didn't tell you everything. Uh, That's a one-use bag. So when you're done with it, please give it back to us because next week, the next two Sundays, we're going to be together like this. We're going to be in single service, one church. Next week on the 30th, and then for Garen's installation, we're going to all be together to do that at one time. So those kid bags, there'll be places you can leave them. Just leave them back there, and we'll use them next week, and then the next week. Um, tomorrow night, this is the Sunday before Christmas. We've got all four of our Advent candles lit, and tomorrow night, as we celebrate Christmas Eve, Garen will be here, and we're going to be together as a church. I say we will. Priscilla and I are not going to be with you tomorrow night, but the church will be together with Garen at 6 o'clock and 7.30. And so if you didn't know that, I wanted to make sure you were aware of that. Put that on your calendar, and uh, if your house is like our house, that means you're going to have to plan meals. Some of you are Christmas Eve celebrators like we are. We're going to open packages on Christmas Eve. Uh, some of you are Christmas morning celebrators, but tomorrow night at 6 o'clock and 7.30, be here for the Christmas Eve service. Next week, we're going to be looking at God's Word, our guide, as we end this year and look into 2019 and just where God would have this body of Christ go. I thought it would be fitting to do that by looking at the impact of God's Word on our lives. And to do that, I've invited the Gideons. There's a number of Gideons in in our church family, and so the Gideons will be presenting also. We're going to be doing that together uh, next week. So just come expecting next week to hear from the community about the importance and the impact of God's Word on a lost world. And so... That's for next week. And then the last announcement that I get, because I like this. This is when I say, I want to give this announcement. Uh, chair team, I don't say thank you enough. But I want you to know, I've been with you now like seven months. You know, we started right at Easter, just after Easter. And every Sunday, in the, after we get done with the second service, there's some of you in this room that have been very, very faithful to take this room down, put all these chairs up in stacks of seven, and then they're put in the proper place, guess what? We don't do that today, nor next week. So the next two Sundays, chair teams, you get off. And it's good that the chair teams get off. The other thing I'm missing, y'all bring your own cup next week. Uh, I missed the coffee, and it was, we're giving them some time off. And as we let the coffee team that provides hospitality for us know how much we appreciate what they do for us Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, all those good things that are in there, it's okay for them to have a little vacation. They can have some time off. It just makes me appreciate them more. And so next week, bring your, bring your cup. I think the, the sixth, I think they'll be back. So Garen brings the coffee. So it'll be good to uh, be with them. Well, this morning, as we spend some time together in God's Word, we're going to talk about the Advent wreath. First of all, the first candle that we talked about three weeks ago was 
the message that God wants to give us hope. And we looked or we listened to Peter. And as you look at the book of Mark, which we believe Peter influenced that book a tremendous amount, that we're listening to Peter's heart in that book. You know, it doesn't start with the Christmas story. No, it starts with John the Baptist and immediately goes into Jesus' ministry. And that's what Peter wanted us to understand. And in the last two weeks, we've looked at peace and joy. And we went to Luke. And Luke being a Gentile, a doctor who could listen. You know, I presented to you that I believe that he interviewed those people that were eyewitness accounts. He talked to Mary, I believe. And we get the Christmas story that we celebrate. We're celebrating today. We're going to celebrate this week out of Luke chapter 2. So we listen to Peter, and we've listened to Luke. But today, I want to take us to the book of John. Now, remember, John's a fisherman. John didn't know. I don't think John knew anything about the birth of Jesus. John was up north. He's a little younger than Jesus, so probably wasn't even born when Jesus came to, to earth that we celebrate on Christmas. But John was one of those disciples that they called him the son of thunder. His brother James, the two boys, and when they fish, they know how to fish, and they know what to do with the community. And they, they carry that name for a reason, sons of thunder. But John is the one disciple of those 12 that Jesus spent his life investing in, that writes us the last gospel. And in the gospel of John, he wants to talk about who is Jesus. And I want to propose to you that the fourth thing that we want to look at and focus on today is that God is a giver. God wants to give us the gift of his love for a broken world. Yes, we need to be people of hope. Yes, we need to experience peace that surpasses anything that the world can give to us. And yes, we need to be people that are just like those angels that got happy when they could announce that Jesus had come and the angel, all of heaven just opened up and they're singing and rejoicing in that fact that Jesus has been born tonight. But the last message that I wanted to bring to you is that today we want to look at God's love for every one of us, that he wants to give us the gift of his son. And the place to go read about that's in the book of John. So this morning, instead of me reading over you, we're going to read it together. There's only two verses, John chapter 1 starting in verse 1 and John chapter 1. 1 verse 14, so I want to ask you all to stand. The verses are up there on the screen, and I want us to read them together. And so let me lead us as we read John 1, 1 and 1, 14 together. And here's what God's Word says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that reality that we're celebrating. But God, I pray today, as we listen to an eyewitness who lived with Jesus' ministry, who experienced all that he was, Father, I pray that your spirit would have unusual freedom among us today. Speak to our hearts. Guide us to understand and know you better. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You all may be seated. You know, talking about the Christmas story, you know, a couple of weeks ago I introduced the angels and their joy that they shared out there on that hillside with those shepherds. I talked to you about Peter and what he was trying to do to help us discover hope. And as Peter talked about Jesus' ministry on earth. But as John wants to bring to us who is Jesus, John 1.1, look at how it starts. He says those first three words, in the beginning. You ever heard those words before? You know, I think it's interesting. 
Those are the first three words of the book of Genesis. Those are the first three words of the Bible. And so is John now, knowing that Jesus has come, that John has been discipled by Jesus, John is now a committed follower of Jesus, John has lived through the execution of his brother, James, the one of the sons of thunder, the first one to be taken, the first one to die is his brother. He's executed. John watches that. John watches everything else that goes on with the church that breaks up in Jerusalem because of the persecution after the stoning of Stephen and the church is scattered. And John begins to pastor in what's today Turkey. He's up there. He's got seven churches that he travels around between. And so as John thinks, what can I do to share with the world what I know about him? Let's go back to the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And so, as John wants to introduce us to what the Christmas season is all about, he takes a name for him. He calls him the Word. Now, he could have used other terms by what Jesus goes by, or the terms that he uses. He could have used, first of all, deed. In the beginning was the deed. Deed meaning action. You know, I've, the weeks that I've been with you, I've talked a lot about God's work from the, before the foundation of the earth was laid and how when he created the world, he had a plan and that plan was to bring glory or to show his character, who he is in relationship. First relationship with the created beings that angel world and in those that fell away Satan and that battle that we're still caught in the very middle of between good and evil he comes and he chose a people with a with our grandfather the ancestor of that is Abraham and that whole people group that Jewish nation that Jesus is born into and then how the good news of who he is goes to every tribe every tongue every people and every nation on earth that's a lot of deed. That's a lot of work that God does. But as John sat and thought, he did not pick that God is an actor, a doer. He also did not pick the term thought. Now, here we are in 2018, the end of 2018. Lots and lots of thought and intellectual work has been done studying this book, has been done studying everything that's been written on earth. And as we study, you can think about, you can be challenged to reflect upon who God is. But God's a whole lot more than action. He's a whole lot more than thought. And finally, John could have picked the word feeling. Now, you know what I, I've just loved about being with you as a church is the diversity. Yesterday, uh, I was at a wedding. We have our newest married couples right here with us this morning. I was at their wedding. Yeah, hey, amen. I like marriage, and I like to be a part of one. So anyway, we're, we were hanging around after the reception, and a guy asked me, he said, John, what do you like about 12th Avenue? You've been here seven months. What do you like about it? And I said, you know what I like about it? I like the diversity in this room. Now, I wish there was a little bit more racial diversity. I mean, I appreciate all the international students that come. But we're a pretty, you know, we're a pretty Anglo group. But other than that, we've got different people in different places. We've got doctors. We've got heads of companies. We've got uh, lawyers and judges. And we've got folks that are trying to make a living. We've got some folks that are really struggling with like We've got a diverse group of people. And I tell you, I have so enjoyed learning the story of your relationship with God, what you've learned and discovered about who He is, and realizing that that's all to His glory. He wants to be made known through the uniqueness of this group of people, through the 12th Avenue Baptist Church. And as He does that, as I listen to story, guess what's all mixed in that? is feelings and emotions. Some of you, I've heard your story of how church was a bummer. 
your background with introduction as a child or your high school years, being in church was not a good experience. And some of you have found some of the richest and the sweetest and the best emotions that come in being in relationship with people in this community, being in your life group, being in a place where it's just very, very fulfilling to be. And I want you to know that a relationship with God brings us into a relationship with one another. And in that relationship, we have experiences, and those experiences generate feelings. And God is aware of those. He's not against them, but He's more than them. And so He's not just what He does. He's not just what we think about Him. He is not just what we feel. No, John says He's the Word of God. He is the expression of all that God is. And that that word that he chooses, that he is the word, he then in the book of Revelation, he goes on to describe it more in Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. Here's what he has, here's Jesus say to him. John's the only one that we know of. I don't know anybody else who's talked about being taken to heaven and to see what the future's gonna be. And so we get the book of Revelation from the same man that's writing the Gospel of John. And Jesus said to him in Revelation 22, 13, I'm going to go back one verse, 12. In Revelation 22, 12 and 13, he says, Behold, I'm coming soon. That's Jesus. He's talking. We're celebrating his coming. He's saying, I'm coming again. I'm coming soon, and I'm going to bring my recompense with me to repay each one for what he's done. Because I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And so as we listen to what God wants us to understand about who He is, He is one who speaks, He started, He is God, He's with God, He is the Word. That Son who spoke everything that is into being says, I was at the beginning and I am going to be at the end. I've come when you celebrate me here at Christmas, but I am coming again. And so the hope that we have of who He is and what He's bringing is what John begins to put together in his book, in the book of John. So this morning, I want to go through, if you can believe this, seven I don't have three points today, I have seven. So wherever Jordan is, maybe I'm going to take you an hour and a half over, Jordan, or I'm going to spoil the whole thing. But seven titles of who this Word of God is. For us to understand what does God want us to know about Him at this Christmas season of who He is. First of all, He goes by in chapter 6, verse 35, He says, I'm the bread of life. Jesus said to them, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You know, the, th the thing that John wants us to know is that every one of us have got needs that cannot be met anywhere else. And the human condition is when we discover a need or something we want fulfilled in our own lives, we look for where that can be fulfilled, what can bring the answer of what I'm looking for. And there's some people here today that you are hungry maybe both spiritually and physically. But as Jesus looked out on all of those followers and he'd done the miracle of feeding 5,000 people, he said to them, he said, now listen, I am the bread of life. That hunger that you've got in your heart, I am the one who brings nutrition. I am the one who will fill you. And so that need that you may have, I want to say you may have, that you do have. Every one of us, as we discover where we're at, who we are as people, and we discover that need that we have that can only be filled, Jesus first title is, I want to come to you as the bread of life. I'm the one who will fill you, 
He, he says, you're going to, you know me, you will never be thirsty again. I fulfill your life. Get to know me. I'm the bread of life. Secondly, not only does he go by the bread, he says in chapter 8, verse 12, I'm the light of the world. Verse 12, he says, and again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, it's real interesting at Christmas season, we do an awful lot of lighting candles. You know, darkness, darkness exists only because there's no light. You bring light, darkness can't stop it. Darkness is the absence of light. And so, one of the conditions that Jesus says that mankind has is we get lost. We get into a place of real darkness in our own experiences. Darkness in relationships. Questions that you may have about who God is. Experiences that you have because we are in a spiritual battle. The evil one wants to steal and kill and destroy life. And he will be darkness. But Jesus says, no, I'm the light. Where I come, darkness cannot overwhelm me. Darkness cannot overpower me. I am the light of the world. And so as he comes and is into your life, your life experience, the second thing that he is, the gift he wants to give us, is light to your path, light to your relationships, light to understand more and more of who God is. So first of all, he's the bread of life. Secondly, he's the light of the world. Third, getting into a little agriculture here. He says in John 10, verse 7, he says, And so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Okay, I don't know about you, but I can handle bread, and I can handle light, but door? You're the door? door? You know, that one has taken me a while to kind of put my mind around that Jesus expresses himself as he is the door of the sheep. Well, guess what doorkeepers do? Doorkeepers keep what's bad on the outside and what's good on the inside. And he says, I am the door. I want you to come in Come into where I am. I invite you to be in here. And by the way, when I close that door, what's on the other side doesn't come on this side. And so, while we were in Africa, and it's so good, we've got a, we've got a girl that's back from Uganda, up there where cattle are a big, big deal. And they put those cattle in pins with thorns. There's a gate or a door where those cattle can come and go come and go through. And once you get the cattle on the inside, then they're protected, they're taken care of. And so there's not many lions up in that part of Uganda where there used to be, but they continue to protect and take care of what they've got. And I want you to know that that's the way God is with us. You all, some of you have come here today where you feel like you're left alone. And there's no one watching out after you. But I want to assure you that what we celebrate at Christmas is that, first of all, God is an inviter. He invites you to come to the door. He says, bold, I stand here. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I'm going to use this verse later. If anyone will come into me, I'm going to come into him. If anyone invites me in, I'll come into him and dine with him and be with him. God wants to include you into his world. And to do that... He took everything that separated us from him and he put that on himself on the cross and he's inviting us to come into that relationship through him as our door into a relationship with God. And so not only we start with he's the bread of life, he's the light, he is the door for our relationship with him. Fourth, 
very same passage. He changes. He says, I'm the door. The next in verse 11, John 10, 11, he says, and I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You know, he did that. That's not something he's going to do in the future. He's already laid down his life for every one of us. And so as a good shepherd, he watches out after us. And whenever evil wants to come and steal and kill and destroy our experience with God, Jesus can already say, no, I have laid down my life for my sheep. I know my sheep, and I have paid the price for them. He's a good shepherd. Good shepherds carry a staff. They carry a staff both to protect the sheep and to protect them from whatever would come to them. A rod and a staff, those are the two instruments that shepherds carry. And Jesus is our good shepherd. That's the gift that we have this Christmas, that he wants to lay, not once, he has laid his life down. And he wants us to understand what that means in our relationship with him. He's come, he's laid his life down for us, and now he's inviting us to be in a relationship with him, to experience all that he wants to give us. And so, he's the bread of life, he's the light of the world, he's the door. He's the good shepherd. And fifth, chapter 11, verse 25, he says, And I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Now, when Jesus said this, it's with the miracle of bringing Lazarus back from the dead. You all remember that story. Word got to Jesus, he was up north, that his good friend Lazarus was sick. And the two sisters said, hey, look, just call Jesus, he'll come and take care of it. If you remember, as that story is told, it says Jesus delayed. He waited, he continued to do the work that he was doing. Some of us may think that Jesus is hard-hearted. He doesn't care. But oh no, Jesus is so far ahead of us. Amen. He knows. He knows that he is the resurrection. And so when he gets back down to Bethany, right outside of Jerusalem, and they're all, I mean, Lazarus is dead. In fact, he's already been buried. He's been buried there three or four days. And when Jesus starts to talk about, no, let's go get him, let's go open that grave, they say, look, you don't do that. Because, behold, he stinketh. I mean, you open that, you roll that stone back. It's not going to be pleasant for anybody. And that's when Jesus says, no, don't you understand? I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he's dead, he will have life in me. Now, you always start in a broken relationship with God. When Jesus in John chapter 3, he's talking to Nicodemus. He says, don't you... I didn't come to judge the world. You've already, the world's already been judged. It all started back in the Garden of Eden with a broken relationship with me. And once that, that judgment began there with Adam and Eve, the very beginning, it's, it's multiplied on. Every man, every woman, every child on earth has already been judged. I've come so I can bring you into a relationship with me. You were dead. And I've come to bring you life. And to do that, God had to send him. And he had to come as a baby and be born and grow and show us that he understands the situation in which we live in. And yet he comes with that message that he is the resurrection. We're celebrating he's coming at Christmas, but we look forward to Easter because it's coming. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the light, he's the door, he's the good shepherd, he's the resurrection. And then he goes on to say, I, in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father 
but by me. You see how all the titles that he's, he uses for himself, those are ways that he gets us to the Father. He's our bread. He's the door that we go through. He's the light to show us how to get there. He's our resurrection so that we have life to be with the Father. And so when he's with the disciples in the upper room, this is just hours before he's going to be taken as a captive, taken to be tried, and then the next afternoon or next morning taken and be executed on that cross. And yet as Jesus looks at those 11, because Judas is now gone, Jesus looks at the 11 right in their eyes and he said, now listen to me, I am the way and the truth and the life. You all need to know where to go. Let me tell you, I am the way. You follow me. I will give you direction. You all need truth. You need to know how to live. You need to know answers that you've got about relationships, answers that you need to have about your life's direction and purpose. I am the truth of how to make your lives full and meaningful. And finally, you follow me. I am your life. And so as Jesus comes alongside of every one of us, he wants to remind us that this Christmas season that he has a plan to give us direction. He has a plan to tell us the difference between right and wrong and help us hear and understand how we live this life that each one of us are in the middle of. And finally, to experience what a God-filled life life could be. That is what he wants us to know. And then finally, the seventh time he defines himself is that same night in John 15, chapter 1. Last definition, he says, and I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Kind of interesting. Door and vine are the two that I wrestle with, kind of have to mentally get my head around. But the true vine is the vine that bears fruit. You know, the branch in the vine, the branch can't do anything. If it doesn't have the life of the vine growing into it it and producing what it's going to produce, whether it's grapes or whatever comes off those vines, Jesus wants wants you and I, but he wanted the disciples to understand that night. I am the true vine. I'm the one that's got the life in me. And you in me, you then bear what my life in you will produce. Now, church family, this is what makes coming to Emporia so meaningful for me. Is to get to see the diversity of life that he's producing through this community. And guess what? He's not done. We're in the middle of the story. And who knows where God wants to continue to take this church with Garen as your new lead pastor and the future that you're getting ready to walk into. And I want to invite you to believe that what God says about who he is is real. It is true. He is our vine. It's not the program. It's not the stuff that we're going to try to do to try to create to make this church continue to be all it wants it to be. No. What brings life around here is Him in us, in each one of us as individuals. He is the life bringer as the vine. And as we get connected, as we receive Him, as we have that relationship where His life goes into our lives. We're no longer dead. We've been resurrected to new life. Then there's that new life that's coming out of that vine. And look what comes out of the end. I don't know about you, but me, I'm a fruit lover. I mean, I really do. I like like fruit. And I want you to know that when you get a good grape, We've got three kinds. Priscilla's already got Christmas ready. We're going to have a lot of grapes. I got grandkids that love grapes. I got dark ones. I got red ones. And I got white ones. And y'all, they're different. Have you noticed that? You t- that's why wine is such a big deal. All the different 
parts of the life that comes out of the soil and those vines produce into those grapes, that's all unique, different flavor. And what Paul said, not John, but Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit in us, now listen to our flavor, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those fruit, I'm going to say singular, that, that's the, come on, it's all mixed in there together. That's the life that he wants to bring through you, not because of you. You can't, you can't create it. You cut that branch off, there's going to be no grapes growing on that branch. And you're going to know the tree by what it bears. He said, it's super simple. You find love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. In the lives of people, you know, as they're in relationship with me, that's what my spirit takes through people and produces in them. I am the true vine. And so these seven things that, he's, that he goes by, notice how he starts every one of them. I am. Remember when Moses was out there in the desert? He'd run away from Egypt. He'd killed a guy. And they all knew who had done it, so he, he ran away. He comes up on a bush. And at that bush experience where he sees that bush burning, and it's not being destroyed, it's not being consumed, it's just that fire continues. He says, who, what is this? And God says, I am. That's all I got to tell you. I am. Present tense. I am. And so we have Jesus, who we celebrate his arrival tomorrow night and on Tuesday. But we have Jesus defining the I am with us. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the good vine. Now, church family, celebrating Christmas is wonderful. We need to do it. We need, this is where it starts. God, that's why the angels got so happy on that hillside, is God wants us to know He has come, and He's now not far away. He's right here present with us. John 14, John 1, 14, out of the message, Eugene Peterson translates it this way. I, I just love it. He says, and the Word became flesh and blood. And he moved into the neighborhood. You know, that's what God wants to do. This morning, we were, I was just talking about neighborhoods where Jordan moved over. I met the, Jordan's neighbor, two houses down, I one house, right over there in the neighborhood. They're talking about the neighborhood and the people that lived there and the history of the neighborhood. Well, guess what? God wants us to know that he became like us. He's flesh and blood, and he moved into our neighborhood. Now, it's interesting that the neighborhood he chose first to arrive, the first ones he told about were a bunch of shepherds out on the hill. And then it's Mary and Joseph who are not in their hometown. They're not from up north. They've come all the way down to Bethlehem. And they're down there. And then you know the story. What's going to happen is God's going to let them know, do not go home. You go to Egypt. You take that baby and you go to Egypt and you get away because there's going to be evil. Going to try to destroy what I've sent. He's moved into our neighborhood. And so today, I want to ask you, how are you going to respond to Christmas? The Christmas celebration. Now, it's great to be. I can't wait. We're looking forward tomorrow. Priscilla and I are going to go be with her mama and my sister. We're going to celebrate Christmas down in Wichita. And Tuesday, our son, grandkids are coming. We're going to do Skype with four grandkids halfway around the world. We're going to play games. I, I'm kind of, Grandpa is kind of hoping we're going to play some stuff together. Skype, two different teams playing halfway around the world. You know, Christmas, just a time to be together as family. Those of you that have got families, a time to celebrate what God's done. But today, I want to ask you, I want to invite you to reflect on how do I respond to Christmas? How do I respond to this truth that I'm proposing to you, that Christmas 
is that God has sent those seven characteristics into this world to tap us on the shoulder and to say, I want you in a relationship with me. John, at the end of his book in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, here's how he sums it up. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. Now, church family, we're in this room, we're all along a spectrum. Some that have not started, and some have said, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure yet. And some that have been walking in their relationship with God for years. But I want you to know the invitation that John's talking about and believing him that you would have life in his name. It's for every one of us. It's not just the beginning. It's for where we are today. Do we believe that God so loves us, he so loves you enough that he sent his son that we're celebrating, but by believing that he sent him and that he is who he says he is, he brings new life for today, new life for tomorrow, new life in relationship with him and with those significant people around our lives. And to do that, I believe there's a process. And so how are you going to respond? First of all, you can either reject it or ignore it. And so that starts with what I believe are three. It's kind of stair steps means there's an, a level. I want to just call it a process. I draw it as an arc. First of all, we've got to know what God says. You've got to know the truth that he says. And so this morning, I've just tried to do that. I've helped you know those seven I am's that Jesus has said about himself. You can't believe something you don't know. So first of all, I just want to ask, has it made sense? Do you know that God says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the true vine. I'm the resurrection. You can't believe it unless you know it. And I want to propose to you that that knowing can be a process. It's not a one-time thing. That's why it's for some of us have started, some of you started in your relationship with God. You say, yeah, I know that Christ died for my sin, that what separated me from him. I know that. The second process, you start with no, do you believe it? Now that's the part. For every one of us. Because I believe we believe, but a relationship with God is a growing thing. You know, I believe I knew Priscilla 43 years ago. Well, guess what? I, don't, I didn't know her near like I know her now. Because we grew in our relationship with one another. I, the, the things that I believed about her, I believe more now because I've seen 43 years of experience. I've got a whole lot more to have my belief built on. And so, folks that have been in, in this church family, and you've been walking with the Lord for years, I just want to challenge you. You're not done. Where are you growing in what you're believing? Are you hearing God's Word speak to your heart where you know more and then you believe it? And you say, no, that's, God, I really do believe you mean what you say. And then the third part. Now, here's the part. Step three, not only do we know it, not only do we believe it, but we receive it. And to receive something means you've got to ask, you've got to agree with the giver that you need, you want what the giver wants to give. I'm not going to do it because I don't have a pen up here, but many times to help understand that, I'd take a gift. Now, isn't this terrible? Because <laughs> I'm not going to be giving my pay. <laughs> I've only got one of these things. My whole life's in here right now. But if I was going to give this gift, and just think about it, that's what that's what God did. God's not like I am. 
God said, no, I'm going to give. I'm going to give my son. I'm going to give my son to be slaughtered for you. I'm going to give my son so that he'll take what separates you from me, and he's going to pick that on himself, and I'm going to give that to you. Now, God can say that, and he is saying that to every one of us. But we've got to be the people on the other side and say, Father, I need that. I know that I need that relationship. I need I need to be nourished in you. I need to be protected because you're the door. I need to have your life through me. I need to be resurrected from the dead. I need to have that true vine's life going through me. I want to receive that. And God is a giver. And so this morning, as we close, I want to ask you, we're going to stand in just a moment. I want to ask you, if you know it, if you believe it, and you're receiving what God wants to give to you, that you take personally this verse, Revelation 3.20. And here's what Jesus says to every one of us. He says, but look, that word behold can be translated. Look, look here, listen, listen up, look. I'm standing at your door, and I'm knocking. Now, many of you heard this when you first started your relationship, and I trust today there could be some of you that this is the first time. It'd be for you that you're hearing God knocking on your door, saying, I want a relationship with you. I know you. I love you. I want to have a relationship. Behold, I'm standing there knocking at the door. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come into him and I will dine with him. Now, church family, I want to propose to you that that's for every one of us. You don't just open that door once. I believe in my relationship with God, I'm opening that door multiple times a day where I understand that, I'm, that what I'm doing is I'm sinful and separated. I know that I, I began my relationship with the Lord years ago, but I need to be in that process of knowing, believing, and then receiving what God wants to give. And so I want to ask you all to stand. And I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to lead a prayer. And I just want you to pray along in your heart if that's where you are. If it's not where you're at, I want to ask you to say, God, I'm listening to these words. But God, I want you to speak to me your way. I, I need to know more about you. If you'd even just go that far. But I want to lead us in a word of prayer. And I just want you to just pray along in your heart if that fits as you hear my words. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your son, and he's defined as the word. And so, Father, today, we want to come and tell you that we realize that we are not living totally the way you want us to live. That there are parts of our lives that are separating us from you. And sometimes we feel very, very far away. But Father, today to be reminded, we thank you that you are all of these aspects. You're the bread of life. You're the light of the world. Father, you, you showed us through your son, you are the door that we enter a relationship. You're the good shepherd. You're the resurrection, the life. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And you're the true vine. And Father, today we believe that. Help us grow in our belief. But we believe it today. And Father, today we want to receive. We thank you for giving and we agree with you that we are separated. And we want to receive life from you. And we thank you that you're a giver. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I trust that many of you here today could pray along with what I prayed to the Lord right now. You know, He's right here with us. But there could be some of you that just started. You could be guests. You've been, some of you could have been in this church for a long time. 
And that would, today's a day where you'd say, no, I really do want to take my relationship with God more serious. And I've prayed that maybe for the first time. I'm going to be around. There's others, there's church staff. Some of you that may be here, you know our leaders, our deacon leaders. But if you've taken that step today for the first time, I want to encourage you. I want to tell you a little secret. We have an enemy. And that enemy plays for keeps. He is real. And he wants to take away what you've just done. If you've done it for the first time. He wants to tell you that that wasn't important. And the, one of the ways that we do that warfare is we do it together. So tell somebody. I've, I was interested. I heard what John had to say today. I want to take that step. Would you be honest with just another person? And I'll be around here. I'll be just up here in the corner. If you want to come and talk. But church, what I've talked to you about today, about who God is, that's what we celebrate about Christmas. He gave. He gave his son. And that son is those seven things and more. And he wants you to know him. And he invites you to be in an eternal relationship, getting to know more and more and more and more of who he is. And so for that, that's the message of the church, and I believe that's the message of Christmas. And I hope you celebrate Christmas well tomorrow, for Christmas Eve and then on Christmas Day. And I have, our benediction today comes out of Psalm 33. As I was just doing my daily devotional this week earlier, I hit this one, and I said, oh, that's the one for today. So here's Psalm 33, verse 20 through 22. Here's what David wrote before Jesus. He said, God, our soul waits for you, for the Lord. You're our help and you're our shield. For our heart is glad in you because we trust in your holy name. Let your steadfast Lord, O Lord, be upon us. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Church, that's our foundation. And so, go be the church. Have a Merry Christmas.